I just rode past a flyer for the World Naked Bike Ride. Not sure I'm feeling that adventurous. What comes to mind when you hear the word adventure or exploration? And when's the last time you did something that could be called an adventure or an act of exploration within 20 kilometers of your house? Today I went on a little bit of a cycle adventure. A small one, by most metrics, but a big one for me. Along the Yarra River, following the Capital City Trail, and then onto some smaller trails, I crossed the river on a very tall and very narrow wooden bridge. Rode on paved and unpaved trails, on the side of the road, and on cycle tracks. I saw quite a few things I'd never seen before in the city. And this is a city I've lived in for five years and been around a lot of. Had a lot of jobs, it's taken me out and about down a lot of streets. And more than a few times I've just gone for walks around the city in places that aren't familiar to me. But even better than that, today I got to see places that I already knew from a different perspective. One that I either didn't know was possible, or that I'd always wanted to see from. The furthest away I got was Abbotsford, up by the Collingwood Children's Farm, and I was up in the hills along this ridge. It was beautifully empty and quiet, and I was looking down on Abbotsford and Richmond and the whole of the Melbourne skyline. And to have gotten to that place just under my own steam, with the help of an e-bike, felt just really liberating. It's a feeling I don't get when I drive a car somewhere. Because of course, for very good reason, you're far more restricted in your ability to wander in a car. You can't just go down a random trail or path. You're restricted to roads. Other cars take a very dim view of you if you're uh, going at your own slow speed. It's less easy, and so we don't do it as often to pull over and take a photo or just take a second to enjoy being in a place. It's now been a couple of days since I last recorded, and uh, this morning, actually, while riding the bike on my way to work, I had my first misadventure with the bike. Nothing too serious, no crashes, nothing to really complain about, just a very normal everyday bike occurrence of my chain came off. But my chain coming off when it's an e-bike, and it's my first time experiencing this on an e-bike, a very expensive e-bike, I immediately was freaking out that I wasn't going to be able to just put the chain back on. There's an electric motor involved. I assumed the whole thing was more complex. So pulling off the road onto a side road, I put the bike into the normal recovery position, kickstand down, up at an angle, so the rear wheel was hovering in the air. And sure enough, the chain was off, and I couldn't really get to it as it had a chain protector, this plastic sleeve covering it. After a couple minutes, I worked out how to remove that to simple clip, just using my keys as a lever, I was able to pop that off. And just, yes, hands getting a little bit greasy, and yes, getting grease on my new high-vis shirt, I just popped the chain back on, and I was ready to go. So with it being a pedal-assist bike, the motor isn't connected to the back wheel, or even to the chain itself, it's connected to the pedals. And as the pedals start moving, 
the electric motor kicks in to help me move the pedals rather than the motor moving the chain itself. So it couldn't have been simpler. It was normal bike maintenance, and I got back on the road. I'm now going to throw to some tape and take you to an event in Mulgrave Community Center in eastern Melbourne, where I was speaking to Tice, who's from Australian, an e-bike rental, leasing, and sales company, who have an amazing range of really cool electric bikes, and who were at this event offering test rides and answering people's questions about electric bikes. With just this little snippet of conversation, you'll hear more about what it means to be able to go adventuring on these bikes, range, and how to actually work out what your range will be, and about getting a bike that's resilient to everyday wear and tear, and maybe even potentially accidents. I mean, how long do they, how long do they actually last? So if you need to, if the battery is um, breaks or needs to be replaced, then a store we can open up the bike, but it basically means we have to disassemble part of the bike to then take the battery out. So it can be done. It's just that it's not something you would do. At, yeah, it's not something you would do every day, or as an end user you wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's sure. So the batteries are still replaceable, like anything else. But it's basically, you know, they just have, it's a smaller package that's completely designed so it fits in that particular tube and it doesn't have all the extra wrapping and, and cover around it that you get on these batteries that allow you to use it. Um, and ironically, I've been using one very similar to these for the last week and it being user removable like that, there's more moving parts to it and I've actually looked at you know, these little latches and yeah. this like slide tray and stuff yeah. and it's great for me, I don't have to bring the bike up to my apartment. But if I had an accident, there's a lot more higher chance that something would break on that battery mounting mechanism. And so by it being user-removable, it's probably more delicate and more fragile and more prone to error than... Yeah, it also shop. varies a little bit of where, where the battery is located. So yours is probably on the rear rack. Yep. Yeah, so that's in, in some ways that's the sort of most... Vulnerable. most vulnerable yeah. position for that battery to be in um, for things like if you hit something or whatever that um, something breaks or, or if you get rear-ended by a truck as I did once in mm. sitting at traffic lights at Flinders Street yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my rear wheel needed replacement after yeah that. yeah but, um, but the other thing I'm interested in is the range of, um, you know, some seem to have huge number of kilometres and what's your range of kilometres vaguely? So this is... This is on, how long is a piece yeah, of and, and, and also different manufacturers go about this very differently and they, there's no standardised way of calculating that. Uh -huh. So it's not like a vehicle fuel consumption test where they've got yeah. standard protocols. That Even those are, you know, everyone tries to game them, but at least, you know, there is certain ways in which you have to conduct a test to, to get through that. Um, there's nothing like that for e-bike batteries, so everyone can just come up with a name. Uh, um, so this is again one of the things that where Bosch, which is the, the company that powers all the bikes we have today, and also a large part of the other bikes that we sell, where they have tried to be very transparent and and very clear and, and open about how they do that. So they've actually got on the on their websites, if you go to the Bosch e-bike website, they've actually got a calculator there that can let you say, you know, they've got this type of bike, this is the terrain that I'm riding, this is my weight, and it will tell you, okay, this is approximately in these sort of assistance levels that you can choose from, this is the range that you can expect. I just rode past a sign for the World Naked Bike Ride. I'm not sure if I'm feeling that adventurous just yet.
Every year, over 400 cyclists are killed or injured on Victorian roads. Can you see me? Motorists often claim they did not see the cyclists. So if I ride naked, can you see me now? Every year, males and females of all body shapes come together in over 70 cities around the world and expose themselves to the risks of the road. And we're inviting you to join us in Melbourne for our next cheeky protest. So ride nude or nearly nude and ask every driver that question that may save lives. Do you, Do you see, see me, me now? now? The World Naked Bike Ride has been an annual event in Melbourne since 2006. We aim to highlight the vulnerability of cyclists on our roads. We encourage bicycle use rather than transport, which relies on non-renewable fuels, and we promote positive body image. So I've said the dreaded A or C word a few times on this episode already, accident or crash. And whenever I'm on the road, it's never far from my mind. I'm riding past cars, cars that at any moment could have doors fling open in front of me, forcing me either into them, into the car, or worse, to the right, into traffic, and into the unknown, but likely not very good. Another cyclist died today in Brunswick on Sydney Road. And I say another because that happens not uncommonly. They won't be the last. It's something I definitely want to acknowledge when talking about exploration and adventure and fun on bikes because I'm three weeks in and I've been having a lot of fun. But I'm also very aware of the flip side of the risk. So of course, please, if you're cycling, at least wear a helmet, be as visible as you can, have lights, and if in any doubt, err on the side of caution. Of course, you're extremely vulnerable on your bike. But in the right circumstances, it's that vulnerability that feels amazing. Because you're exposed, because you're out in the world, you're part of it, you're not in a steel box. I've greatly enjoyed riding through parks and along this amazing path in Melbourne called the Gardner Creek Trail, which today I rode along more of than I ever had before and found that the rabbit hole goes even deeper than I thought. There's a section of the Gardner Creek Trail that I normally ride on, which is narrow, and there's lots of hills and corners you can't see around, people walking their dogs and sometimes a kind of unsafe, uncontrolled way. The whole thing can feel a little bit sketchy through this one section and a little dangerous, but you get past that, as I've discovered today, past Taronga Road, past Burke Road, and it becomes this amazing highway. Really nice lights to it, really clear sight lines, and beautiful topology and geography to it. You're following a creek, so the trail itself isn't straight. It's got corners and curves, in some cases wicked S-bends, and I think some cyclists take it a little too seriously, like they're racing the Tour de France, but I loved it, and I was really grateful to be on an e-bike where I could keep to a very respectable pace. It was not the fastest thing on the trail, but people who came up behind me 
weren't too annoyed as they waited for a chance to overtake me. If you're riding in Melbourne, I highly recommend checking it out, and I look forward to finding more places to ride in and around Melbourne. Thank you for joining me for another episode of this cycling project. I'm now halfway there, three more episodes to go, and it's going to be a sad day when I hand back the e-bike. I should be thinking about a name for this thing. It's a gazelle falento, I think. So any bright ideas, let me know. If you have any feedback or questions I can answer for you, just let me know that as well. I'm at hearmediastudios at gmail.com, or you can reach me at hello at climactic.fm. As always, I've been your host, Mark Spencer. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me.